Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to a very festive version of Her Daily Drive, a weekly podcast designed to inspire and encourage young women to find their daily drive in Jesus. This is just one of three special episodes leading up to Christmas. And in case you didn't know already, there are only 21 days till Christmas. It's that time of the year where everyone thinks to themselves, I should probably start my Christmas shopping. Nah. On a serious note, I hope today's episode encourages and inspires you. Let's get started. With Christmas just around the corner, it's important that we get to know a few Christmassy facts about our guest. Here we go. Hi, Mel. Hi. (laughs) What is your favorite Christmas carol? I think Joy to the World. It makes me want to dance and clap my hands. What's your favourite Christmas food? We make these Christmas trees. You get Nice biscuits and condensed milk and chocolate and mix it all together and then shape it into a Christmas tree. What is your favourite Christmas craft you've ever done? Mine's a gingerbread house. Yeah, so well, good. when we did our gingerbread house, yeah. it was pretty intense. The yeah, icing would just, not set, no. but they tasted great. Do you want to start off today by just telling us a little bit about your journey? I was born in a non-Christian home, so I didn't really have much of an idea of who Jesus was for most of my childhood. Though I do remember my first tangible experience with the Bible. I was in grade four at school, and I went to a state school, so we didn't really have any compulsory chapels or Bible studies to go to other than R&E once a week. I had an older lady as my RE teacher, and she always gave us jelly beans when you contributed to the lesson. And I remember that week, she had brought in one of those Bible study books that are like a children's storybook, but Bible stories. And she read to us the story of Esther, and I remember being so fascinated with Esther's story. She had blonde hair in the story, which is totally not correct, (laughs) but I've got blonde hair. And so for me, it was like, oh, she's like me. I'm like Esther. Like I've got blonde hair too. And I remember being so fascinated just with her story. Like how could she be so willing to do whatever it took to save her people? So much that I went up to my RE teacher and asked her if I could borrow her storybook so I could read it at home. And she surprised me by giving it to me. And I remember just pouring over the pages when I got home. I think my parents just would have been like, who is this creepy RE? teacher giving my child a Bible study book but I still have it and I think like it was such a nice gift of her to give that she didn't have to but that was like the first kind of experience I'd ever had with a Christian which was amazing. So until the age of 13 my relationship was much the same as this moment. Various glimpses and a weird belief in God even though I hardly knew anything about him. My idea was that you know Jesus was like Santa. (laughs) I didn't know. After primary school I went to a private Christian school and I remember telling my mum after my first day we prayed five times mum <laughs> I was just in awe I was like what the heck why did they pray so many times I settled in and I got used to the fact that we were going to be doing that and kind of realized how much it was different having love as the center of my schooling and so um, a few weeks in I was invited to a youth group by a couple of my friends and then gave my life to Christ a few weeks after that. It wasn't really any kind of wow moment. I thought that maybe I would feel different, but I didn't I didn't feel tingly or anything like that, other than just kind of having a knowledge that I wasn't alone anymore. The hardest part of my childhood was being bullied from grade two to six by another girl in my grade. She'd be my friend one week and then I'd do something to upset her the next week and I'd be spending my lunch alone in the library for a few weeks until she finally forgave me. And unfortunately, this up and down relationship made me really insecure and unsure about making new friendships, which is something that I still struggle with today based on, you know, trust and what are these people going to do to hurt me? And so I've kind of realized 
that I need to work more on that through being a Christian. And even more so, it was a youth camp that we spoke about what love is. And I realized that I needed to forgive this girl who'd bullied me in order to move on. So I asked my youth leader, Liz, to pray for me. And I felt the biggest weight lifted off my shoulders. As per my usual emotional scale, I was sobbing at this point because I cry every time. (laughs) If you're happy or sad, whatever. But yeah, I was sobbing and I just kind of remember the lightness that I felt. I'd been weighed down by this burden for so long. Having God take that off my shoulders was the hugest gift he could have ever given me. What topic are you going to talk to us today about? I wanted to get festive because it's the first week of December. So I've named it festively. <laughs> it's called Regifting Your Gifts. And it's basically about how when we share our gifts with others, we are giving them the opportunity to use their gifts to flourish and spread God's love. That's awesome. And why do you think this is an important topic in today's society? In today's world, I think, especially with the coming of social media and being insta-perfect, we can often feel pitted in competition with those around us. As women especially, we have pressure put on us to hold a certain image and be a certain type of girl. We'll identify with an image that we'd like to show the world. We want to be seen as pretty, popular, smart, original. We've grown up with the world telling us who we must be in order to be considered worthy. And so we fashion ourselves into whatever this image is, and as a result, we often hide parts of ourselves for fear of not being accepted by others. And on the opposite side of this, we hide away parts of ourselves. We hold on to the things that identify us as authentic and original. We don't share our gifts through teaching and expression because we're afraid that someone might steal our thunder. So what's your personal experience with re-gifting your gifts? I love craft and hobbies and learning. So because of this, I've always made it a priority to sit down and learn new skills. I think that the simple act of creating something wonderful from nothing has always just blown my mind. You know, it's like blank paper and then it's something else. And I love how things just sort of come together at the end. And over the past few years, my main hobby has been teaching myself calligraphy and hand lettering. I've put in a lot of hours learning to use different nibs and working out what kind of paper works best, what pens I like, and developing different font styles that weren't just the same as anybody else's on Pinterest. I started talking about my new hobby and making little pieces for my friends and all of a sudden it seemed like everybody else wanted to do it too. I'd gotten used to the compliments and encouragement I was receiving because of my new hobby and I didn't like the idea of having someone else getting those compliments instead or even worse being better than me. But at the same time part of me felt God nudge me towards sharing this new gift and so I somewhat begrudgingly began to show people the skills that I'd learned and it was hard. I felt almost threatened because it made me question whether or not I was original. My feelings at this point were summed up perfectly by Lauren a couple of weeks ago. I was no longer looking to God for acceptance and encouragement, and I was more so idolizing and finding my worth within my gifts. When I finally figured this out, I was shocked. I'd ask myself, how could I let it get this far? But I think realistically, we all have moments like this where we get distracted by the world and must realign with God's idea of us instead of looking for value in others. What does the Bible say about regifting our gifts? So in the midst of all this, as he usually does, when we're being silly about trivial things and need correction, God showed me the story of Dorcas in Acts 9. 36 to 42. You might also know Dorcas by her Hebrew name, Tabitha. I had this revelation at the beginning of this year and I'm still reveling in it. (laughs) I really like it when that happens. I think it's nice that God keeps reminding us and bringing us back to him no matter how much time passes. Mm. So Dorcas's life was one of quiet devotion. It was so quiet that nobody quite knew how precious her presence was until she was gone. When she died, her friend sent for Peter, the apostle, who was ministering in a town nearby. He arrived and saw that the poor widows of the town had flocked to the funeral and they showed him 
in the clothing that Dorcas had made for them. These garments were just simple items of clothing, but more so they were testaments to the goodness of Dorcas's character. Losing a husband during this time usually meant losing one's income, so widows often had to rely on the generosity of the community to get by. Dorcas had done much more than just support these women financially. She used her creativity and gifts to make clothing for the women. She had used her creativity to get involved with people. Dorcas's story ends with a miracle. Peter sends the mourners out of the room and says, Tabitha, get up. And she sat up. God wasn't done with her yet. My friend Liz, who I was talking about before in my testimony, told me about something her friend had spoken about when it comes to creativity. She said in her very Liz-like voice, if you've listened to the podcast, babe, there's room for all of us. (laughs) Shout out to Liz. (laughs) We all have a seat at God's table and a different unique gift to contribute. So like Dorcas, we must ask ourselves, how can we use our creativity to get involved with the people around us? Mel, what inspires you to be this creative person and share your gifts? Well, Elizabeth Gilbert, who was the lady who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, recently wrote a book about creativity called Big Magic. And in it, she says, Who do I think I am? I'll tell you who I am. I am a child of God, just like anyone else. I am a constituent of this universe. I have a right to collaborate with creativity because I myself am a product and a consequence of creation. I love how Elizabeth speaks about us being constituents of the universe. I think in saying this, she implies we have a right and an obligation to contribute to this universe. She says so without implicating any specific race or country or circle or group. We are all God's children. She says, no matter who we are, we all have a right to collaborate with creativity. And with that comes the responsibility to collaborate with the rest of creation. So whenever I'm feeling inadequate or unoriginal, I try to remember my right to creativity or rather my God-given privilege. Because if I'm not actively trying to use my skills and actively trying to help others further theirs, I'm actually dishonoring the one who gave them. Before we finish today, do you have any final words of encouragement for our listeners? You're going to like this bit. <laughs> this whole theme reminds me of Rapunzel in the movie Tangled. When we don't share and re-gift our gifts, we are like Rapunzel locked in her tower. If you've seen the movie, you'll remember all of the beautiful colours and images that she had painted on the walls and the way that she danced around the room singing. Her creativity was her fun and she revelled in it, but at the end of the day, she sat looking out of her window over the forest, lonely and isolated. Then Flynn Rider comes into the picture and they escape the tower and later arrive in town, where the people of the kingdom are setting up for what Rapunzel calls the lanterns. Her long hair is dragging behind her and Flynn enlists the help of schoolgirls to braid it together and get it out of her way. And then, almost mesmerized by her new surroundings, Rapunzel starts to dance. And then she brings the people around her into that dance and the real fun begins. Not only do the schoolgirls use their creativity to braid Rapunzel's hair, even going so far as placing wildflowers down the plait's length, Rapunzel, now equipped to move freely without her long hair tripping her and others up, instigates a creative moment. She's now free to move and dance, so she does. And then she invites others into her dance, giving them the opportunity to get involved with her. To me, this is a beautiful image of what it is like to spend time making and creating with others in the kingdom. We can be so isolated in our tower, alone with our special little gift, with no one to share it with. Or we can go out into the world and share not only our gifts, but the godly light inside of us. When we not only equip ourselves, but others, we're enabling creation and our creator to move free in creation. I challenge you to go out and share your gifts freely. Because really, isn't it way more fun dancing with others than dancing alone? (laughs) 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sarah. (laughs) Enjoy this wonderful season with family and friends, everyone. And remember the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you.